Sitting for long hours can be a real pain, literally. That's why we love stealth chairs from Ergo Lab. They are designed to provide unparalleled support to music and production professionals, promoting proper posture and minimizing fatigue, reducing chronic back and neck pain, and increasing circulation to the legs. The chair's floating lumbar-shaped backrest with a spring-loaded floating mechanism massages the user's back muscles to increase blood flow and disc hydration, keeping the back refreshed during extended work sessions. Clear out your old, uncomfortable office chair and make room for the ultimate ergonomic experience with the Stealth Chair from Ergo Lab. You are now entering the MXU podcast. No credentials required. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 138 of the MXU Podcast. I'm Jeff Sandstrom, your host, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by some friends from SSL and our good friend, Corey Edwards. So Corey's been mixing on SSL's uh, L650 console for the most recent Elevation Worship events and tour. And so we decided to go ahead and talk about this console and SSL products in general. So we have as our special guests, Phil Wagner, who's the Senior Vice President of SSL, and Fernando Guzman, who's been a friend of MXU for a long time, who is um, a live product specialist. And in all of our live events since the very first one, Fernando has been the one to help us set up, troubleshoot, tech, and just make the SSL consoles at our events sing. So guys, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I, I would like just to bring a, a little comment right here. It, it has been amazing how the, the MixU project has evolved since the very, 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 very first thing we did. Because you were there ago. from day one. Yes. And and yeah. and the last the last events that we did in the that was with Phil joining and George and stuff that was Dallas, Atlanta, and Chicago, I believe. Yeah. It was a fantastic uh, a recollection of facts and how hard you guys have been working and how do how hard do you deserve whatever it is that makes you right now it's an amazing project an amazing endeavor very well done and that's just my five cents uh, of gratitude to you guys thank you so much oh well thank you i, I, thank add, I was incredibly impressed with what i saw in dallas well thank you we're dog we're very grateful and humbled by the whole thing i mean the fact that this you know has grown from three guys just trying to figure out how to talk about mixing and share some ideas to, you know, thousands of churches who are engaged with what we're doing and audio and video and lighting, all trying to help teams get better. Um, it, it's just, it's so gratifying for us to see where it's come, but to also have partners like you who uh, kind of saw the vision from the very beginning and were willing to take a risk and come on board with us and figure out how we can help. So I, I, you know, I think the the gratitude is mutual for sure. And Corey, it's always great having you here, man. You're you're MXU family for sure, and you're um, one of my. I I gotta say, you know, when I heard you mixing at Passion last month, uh, which was the first time I had heard you on the SSL with this sort of new iteration, I was a little angry because I am not able to mix that well, and so. <laughs> Well, that means that means a lot. We, I think we have you and I have a lot of history. I was a kid when I met you. I'm still a kid, kind of, but um, I I remember meeting you at church when you came with Tom Lynn, and 
This is actually kind of a fun fact. Fernando, I was looking at, I found a folder, I was cleaning my Dropbox and I found a folder of old, old photos from forever ago. And I found a photo of you showing a group of us the very first SSL 500 in a hotel room in Las Vegas. And I want to say, I don't know if this is correct. It was almost near 10 years ago. 2013. Yeah, so that's ten years. It was wow. almost ten years ago early, to the day. Early 2014. That is right. Correct. Yeah, and wow. I found a photo of that I'd t- taken of you showing us around, and I was like, "Wow, this is kind of full circle. Really cool to find that." Wow. Well, my that's my amazing. language was very primitive back in those years, so my English is, <laughs> it was really, if my English is bad now, it was terrible back then. So, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So I would love um, to see that picture, Corey. So if you if you can share it, I would love to see it. Thank you. Yeah, I'll find it. So obviously, you know, SSL is legendary for its studio consoles and studio products. And I think, you know, one thing that we could touch on today is just the degree to which the the quality, specifically the sonic quality. Um, has been able to translate to a live environment, whether it's the the L series consoles and how they're sort of borrowing technology and engineering and expertise from the old, you know, older studio type consoles, or whether it's outboard gear like the Bus Plus or just the Bus Compressor itself or Fusion, you know, other processors that are now sort of capably adapted to live sound and just just how that how that legacy of the sort of the legendary ssl sound has translated so well into a live environment so uh you know phil i i guess we'd start with you like historically what would you what would you attribute that to and just talk from from a company perspective about how how that legacy is is sort of carried on into live event production it's an excellent question, Jeff, and I'm I'm happy to take it on. I, I started in an SSL recording studio in 1983, and when we put in, that's 40 years now, when we put in one of the first dozen SSL consoles, and then uh, eventually joined the company in uh, 92. Uh, and when we introduced the 9000, that's probably the best place to start. Uh, after a thousand four thousands we came out with a newer higher specification 9000 that had what we called super analog and super analog is a way to uh reduce the capacitors and uh, have ultra linear frequency response over a very wide range and back then when we would compare the sound of the 9000 with the earlier 4000 people would comment that the sound was 10 foot wider and six foot deeper. Hmm. Uh, and you can hear that on record. Roll the tape forward, I'm dating myself there, by <laughs> decades, that same super analog technology, which we put into the analog to digital and digital to analog converters of the live console and the analog side pre and post converter, that same circuitry is built in there. So we bill it as super analog, and that's in the front end and back end of every single live console that we make. And you can say, well, what does a digital console sound like? And a digital console sounds like it's analog 
circuitry. So that's the history and lineage of why it sounds so good, because it's designed exceptionally well. And we get into demos all the time and people say, wow, it sounds wider, it sounds deeper. And it's so music, so much music to our ears because we know why it does that. And mm. it's great that people can actually hear that. And I'm curious, Corey, if that explains a little bit about what you hear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we we talk a lot, I think, in live sound, left to right. And I think front to back is also a really important piece. And, um, you know, I always found, found that SSL products in general, channel strips, emulations, consoles, equipment, had that left to right front to back characteristic and um i know when i when i moved to the the live desks it was there was a big there was a big adjustment for me because i almost lessened the amount that i was manufacturing that left to right front to back mm-hmm. um because there was just a natural openness to the desk um and it it changed a little bit of what i was doing with EQ and space and verbs and things like that, because it all just, you know, you popped it in and it was there, um, which has been a really fun piece to, you know, it allows you to go further down the road with that a little bit when it just naturally starts that way. Well, I love, I love the way you said, Phil, that digital sounds like it's analog circuitry. So, you know, there's, there's some people who, some people who don't understand that you know these consoles actually do have a sound and it's informed by the the guts of the analog conversion the analog preamp all the things that are converting that signal from the stage box from the microphone to those zeros and ones that come out the other end and so um to me you know particularly with the EQ like there's there's a I don't know. There's a a depth to it that it just doesn't sound as digital as some of the other desks. There's a subtlety and a nuance to it and a sheen and a shimmer to the top end that's just a little different. And so, Corey, I I know you've you've worked, you know, you've worked on different formats over the years and have a chance to kind of AB some of the same sources. So, what is that perception in in your mind like in terms of the way the way EQ adjustments kind of handle a source with SSL that might be different. Yeah. I, th- I really, I think I really enjoy the way that you guys have crafted the EQ on the consoles. Um, you know, I, I know like I watch videos and of like Chris Lord algae mixing on SSL analog consoles and the way that he turns an EQ up 20 DB gets me really fired up. Um, and obviously that is not, always possible in a live scenario but i feel like you guys have done a really good job of of that feeling and that sound um but also while it being very meticulous meticulously perfect where i hear every single db of addition or subtraction that i do um but there's also like in that i I always feel like the way that it the phase of the source stays intact as you make small or big adjustments. Um, and even that, you know, uh, was a big, it, it made me have to get better because every DB mattered. Um, because it was, it was not only 
I wasn't turning it and waiting to hear it. It was an it's instantaneous sonic response to that. Um, and that has been, you know, it's gotten me to be able to craft things even more carefully and better, um, knowing that I everything that I do, I hear. Um, and that's been a really fun new way to, to be mixing live. I want to add as well, it's not just the analog, that's a big part of it, but the way that the math happens inside the console, I think the engineers at SSL are very smart and we've been doing EQs and dynamics and digital going back as many, many years, as far as the, since the 9,000, we, not everyone knows that we launched a whole range of digital consoles at that time. So we've been doing it for a very long time, a lot of experience with algorithms. And uh, I think the new, the new team with Dr. Enrique Perez uh, the new processing platform we've had for eight years now or 10 years is very strong. And the ability to get the signals lined up and do multiple um, where you're grouping signals together at different parts of the uh, console path, the fact that we get it to still sound great after all the amount of the manipulation that we can do is pretty strong. Fernando will talk more about that, I'm sure. Yeah, Fernando, why don't you, why don't you give us your two cents? It's all about time and coherence. So as you know, in, in our business, time is a fundamental stone. So it's all about how far the signals are within each other and, and it's all about latency. So we have a very low latency system and, and that's also a very enjoyable experience for the brain because our brains are also experiencing this, especially for the performer. Um, I'm gonna bring a, a, a couple of examples. Uh, I hope this this may work. So, for example, uh, when let's let's talk about the the Haas effect. So, so the proximity or a, a sound moving and the way as our ears and based on distance can visualize an object moving, right? So it's it's happening this kind of the same when uh, we have a musician uh, playing, for example. Many years ago, I faced a situation mixing monitors when uh, an acoustic guitar player was was a real trouble for me because every time that the guy was plugging the the ears, it immediately as as soon as he plugged in and he he just do the the first uh, run on the guitar, he was just complaining about that the, the guitar was sounding different, and and I was using another console with a larger latency in the system and stuff. And and uh, when I joined SSL and I learned about the whole experimentation with Celine Dion and all of these latency versus brain processing uh, theme, uh, we we find out that a, a back in the years when our digital consoles were using a larger amount of time, the sound was different for the performer just because the time difference between the reference coming back from the in-ear and the pickup from the directly from the guitar so that time difference between these two signals uh, combining in your body in your brain creates a, a change in the pitch itself that the musician is hearing so me as a monitor engineer i cannot hear what's happening because i'm not performing so i'm i'm outside that kind of a, a, a the formula to to understand what's happening with with my guitar player because i'm not playing so i i'm just here my sing the signal passing through me, but through my ears and my brain, but not through my body because I'm, I have not the guitar just against my chest. So in the Phil was explaining about a, a different stages in the console to get time aligned. That's part of of, of, a, of a, the process to get a coherent mix, which means at the end of the day, 
all signals are coming with the same coherence based in time, which means they glue better in the mix so you can feel a wider and a deeper image. It's just about timing. And I want to get Corey's take on this, but we, when we do these press releases for some of our installations, and, and it's so comforting to hear that the pastor and the band observe a noticeable difference with the SSL than their prior equipment. Yeah, we we switched at you know we did front of house and monitors at the same time, um, just to keep the systems together on on our tours. And um, I mean, my monitor engineer dialed up some tracks, and he actually he got rid of all of his extra gear, so he has just the console right now. Mm. Um, and he just we were in the shop, and he was he was virtual sound checking, and he just kept shouting because of things he was hearing like in in a very positive way and you know we all kept looking at him like he's crazy but you know there's that coherency and that the timing that you're talking about i know for me in the last couple years has become a very important um topic when i'm thinking through how i'm doing things how i'm processing things and you know it's it's made me be very careful to mess you know to not mess that up because it you know, when you get to the end of the the output paths and that all sums together and that is all perfectly in time, it is a very noticeable difference um, and I think makes the biggest difference in the final mix of what comes out of the speakers. Um, just in everything being together in time um, in the way that, that you guys have done the math to sum that all back together is just incredible. What's interesting is that most people in their normal context wouldn't really know the difference because you have so many reps, so many shows, so many hours behind a certain desk, you just sort of get used to the way that sounds. And then you hear the difference and it's, you, you may not know why it's happening, but to me, it just, it's, it's more of a feeling. It's like, there's just a different level of impact and a different level of, Oh, wow. There's a nuance there that I never thought was possible. There's a, there's a depth that I didn't hear before. And it's like you say, Corey, it's the same inputs, you know, it's the same sources, the same arrangement, the same players. It's just, man, there's, there's a, a thickness to the depth. I don't know how to describe it in words, but it's, it is a feeling more than it is, or as much as it is, a sound. I think this is has to do with you know I deal with the Recording Academy and high resolution audio, and and people like you said, Jeff, have perceptions of great sound, but they don't really know exactly what it is. They couldn't put their finger on it, but right from a guttural perspective, they they know what they like, and if they hear something better, they will warm up to that more than something that they, you know, maybe not as good. I agree. That's so cool. Kind of like when I hear Corey mix. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. I wanted to let you know about a great offer from our friends at The Church Co. They build church websites completely for free. They will handle the migration of your existing website over to their platform and can even manage it for you ongoing. The Church Co. is a complete digital platform for churches, including websites, apps, giving, prayer, small groups, SEO, 
Google advertising, and more. Best of all, it's integrated with all of the major CHMSs like Planning Center and PushPay, to name a couple. If you're interested in upgrading your website and simplifying its management, use our promo code MXU to save 20% on your first three months. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. A few months ago, we had Paul Cox from Capture Collab on the podcast, and we talked about the importance of storing and organizing all of your church's photography. Capture Collab is a tool built specifically for churches to handle this. From capturing to uploading and then tagging, it's the ideal photo storage and sharing system that lets you never lose a photo again. Imagine searching for photos of people in your foyer holding a coffee and your library scoping down directly to photos meeting those specifications. If you're tired of sending out links and searching through folders, use the promo code MXU to save when you sign up for Capture Collab. Well, you know, it's funny. So right after, right after the Passion Conference, we talked to Corey. Uh, so this was just, uh, I don't know, several weeks ago. We, we talked about his mix because I was standing next to him at the Passion Conference. And the thing that stuck out to me is the low mids. And it was obviously part of that is just how you're approaching the mix in general. But I think it was partly the desk, partly the sources, partly the PA. But, you know, through that week of the conference, there were six different bands who were coming through the same PA. And there was a there was a clarity in the low mid information that I heard from your mix that I didn't hear from anybody else. So how much of that, Corey, is just your mix, your EQ, your your processing and smart versus maybe what the desk is even, I don't want to say capable of doing, because any mix, any desk you can turn up. 180 hertz to 250 hertz and it sort of does its thing but how much of that from your perception is a a factor of the console or just your mixed preferences i think i think there there's two answers to this that all tie in together i think there's the obvious sonic qualities that you get um but i think and this is a i think this is an emotional mental piece of this puzzle is uh what i when i moved over what I was really wanting was I just wanted a console with a great channel strip and great summing was kind of the, the three like factors I wanted to be comfortable on it, on it. And I think for me, I'm, I'm using, I would say 90%, 80% of the console channel strips. Um, And so when you don't leave the desk, when you just keep everything on the console, there's a, there is that coherency that we talk about with timing that stays intact. Um, and, you know, like I talk about with EQ moves, everything has to be thought through very carefully. You know, the low mid, that area is where everything can get real out of control real fast. Um, and so for me, I'm, I spend a lot of time crafting that and sculpting that and having things like variable high pass filters different slopes, I think it's 12, 18, 24 dB, you know, with vocals, with drums, with keyboards, being able to get really specific on how you're sculpting all the low end, how you're sculpting those high and low pass filters um, is a really, really 
really helpful tool and it kind of takes high pass, low pass filters to the next level. And we talk a lot about, you know, give me those filters and some faders and we can pull up a mix that, you know, is pretty passable. Well, being able to change those has been a huge, I have them, they're all changed all over the console for different things. Um, especially in vocals, like I'm very sensitive to that frequency area and vocals. And so being able to dial that in very carefully is really crucial because it, it really changes a lot of the dynamics of the way the mix is being perceived and coming across. Um, and then the, the compressor is just outstanding. It's, it's one of my favorite console compressors I've ever heard. And so again, there's so much functionality just built into the console compressor. I've just found myself reaching away from that less and less. And, um, and so it just keeps me a little bit more focused on the console, what I'm doing, what I'm hearing. And I'm not so distracted with the other pieces of gear or, you know, cause I do, I have a, a rack of gear with me and um, I've got some compressors. I've got, you know, I have, I'm, I own the fusion, I own the bus plus like that stuff is in that rack, but I don't really touch that throughout the show and throughout the mixing process. So it just keeps me kind of focused and engaged um, to react to what's happening coming out of the speakers. That's great. So Fernando, I want to get your take on that same question, but generally speaking, before we do that, I just want to point out like that, you know, some people who listen to this will never have access to an SSL console. But what you said about EQ in terms of the filters is important for anybody to apply if they have that capability. So if you have the ability to vary the slope of your high pass filter, you need to experiment with that to see what results you can achieve from trying that on different sources, whether it's a 12 dB per octave, 18 dB per octave, 24 dB per octave filter, those all sound very different. So if you have the capability, whatever desk you have, to make those changes, definitely experiment with that because that could be a tip that could be a game changer for any number of sources. So I just wanted to throw that in there. But Fernando, is there anything else you would add? Mm, well, it's... it's- it's it's a very interesting topic because uh, we several times we have seen uh, mixes or we have heard mixes where uh, the middle range is masking some of the other areas and basically instead of getting a super clean and, and clear mix you're getting this mumble roundy thing coming out from from the speakers. I, I personally I believe that the uh, the first step to take care of is uh, the frequency response on the PA. So once the frequency response in the PA is controlled, and then you know that the PA is not a, a, a giving extra 160 or extra 200 more than you wish or than you need, then you, you can focus on the mix. I, I believe that the, the clarity that you can get uh, from our mix uh, from our from our mixer is coming from different topics. Like I said, one is is the the time coherence and the way as we are aligning signals. The second is the 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 quality in the in the analog pre because uh, let's keep in mind that it, this console gets a real SSL analog preamp. So this is not a, an emulation or, or an algorithm trying to to make in a, a creating a makeup. So this is a real thing. Um, uh, it's is worth to mention that. 
uh, SSL Live is the, uh, the only console still in the market using a 64-bit processor. So, so the combination between a 64-bit processor uh, in a 96-kilohertz in a sample rate uh, system makes a huge uh, uh, headroom. I mean, the headroom in our console is, 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 is insane. It's, it's, it's more than 11,000 dB headroom just in, in this combination between the, the 64-bit at 96K. So, so there's so many factors in, 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 the, in the product uh, development and, 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 and design that it keep is keeping the signal crossing through the system in a very uh, um, um, organized way in terms of timing and, and in, in terms of processing. And and let's keep in mind as as well that the console is a, is a nodular system. So our console gets hundreds of thousands of processing points everywhere. So that's a, that's a big difference between our console and any other console in the market. So we can do things that other consoles can't. That's uh, as simple as that. So in terms of flexibility, of course. Yeah, super flexible. So Corey, with that 64-bit 96K mindset, did that change your approach to gain structure at all in terms of having that much headroom? It's like what, talk for a minute about that. Is it, is there a fundamental workflow change that you found? Yeah, I don't know where to stop is is the workflow change uh i actually i texted fernando we never got to connect on this but um you know there's with most everything else there is a very clear audible stopping point on a preamp and obviously there are stopping points with any preamp including the ssl ones but it's really hard (laughs) i found it hard because it is it it's one of those like the the more you dig into it the the better it gets and i haven't found the point where i should stop and so like we on the desks we run the desk very very hot very loud um and i've taken the saying from our friend chris raybold where i'm we're trying to blow the desk up like in in levels um and and so we're running the desks at at their peak both on the input side and the output side we're you know, we, and that's done very carefully and very calculated, but, um, you know, then we look at our record decks and I looked at it the other day and I was like, man, we're at the very top of those. And those are, you know, so it's, it's kind of been a fun thing to not be worried about it in regards to like, is this the end of the preamp? Because it truly does. You, you get into all of the harmonics of what SSL preamps are known for. And you're, you kind of like, we've always found ourselves like wanting to just push it just a little more, a little more. And we've never found the end of, of the breeze. And I think that that also plays in, in part with what comes out of the speakers in the end, because you talk about digital consoles, we're using every bit and every, you know, every inch of the console in the preamp that we possibly can, um, which I think helps in the bigger picture of what we're doing. Without mentioning names, how does what you just described compared to other experiences you've had? Yeah, I think in the past, um, you know, we've always tried to find a, like, okay, we set our, our peak meter to this, you know, this point, and we try and live there on everything. With SSLs, you know, 
they're very forgiving in a good way where you kind of want to find the further point that you can go. And so like where historically I've had like, okay, everything needs to hit this number, you know, minus 10 on a meter, whatever that may be, you know, with drums, it's, we, we go all the way up to zero because we can, and it's awesome. Um, whereas with other desks and some other manufacturers, we you can't do that because you start to hear that, you know, when you get up that far, you can start to hear that. And so, um, with things like drums and bass guitar, like that's where all that goodness happens for us is when you really start engaging the preamp. Um, and then EQ starts to be less compression starts to be less. You start to get a lot of really beautiful harmonic distortion. Um, and we've just found it to be like, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, we love it. I think especially with drum transients, that's where I hear it coming into play. It's like, you can, you can let that peak meter kind of get up there. And to your point earlier about just the, the analog side of what the preamp is doing, you know, before the conversion, I think that's got to be part of it, Phil. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Plus having good digits, but the combination of great analog and, and great digital is what we're talking about here. And and you mentioned Chris Rabel. Of course, he's got a pair of L650s that he's been using for almost a year now, and, and we're very happy about that. He's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. I'm just kidding. He's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a hero but to he a was, lot of us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it really, I think when he started using them and um, Jim Ebden, who's, who was mixing Bieber at the time, remember a friend of mine posting a photo and I thought, how, how are are they doing Bieber on an L 200? And that's when I really discovered that the 650 existed. (laughs) And, you know, for me, I talk about being comfortable on the console. The three fader layers was a huge, almost game changer for me. Um, Cause I'm, you know, I like my console to be band on the left groups on this in the center vocals on the right. Um, and I have a lot of muscle memory with that. And so the 650 coming out with the channel count and the layout, it was like a no brainer. I called, you know, we work with spectrum sound for all our touring and I called Bobby and I said, so do you have any plans to buy any 650s? Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> he figured out a way to get one. And, um, and so, you know, the ergonomics of the console and, and the flexibility was huge and, you know, we took a deep dive into the events page of the desk and that was like my Webster and I, we went all nerd central on it and we have that, that console doing so many things. When I hit a button, so many things happen via MIDI inside the desk. Um, and so it just, it was like kind of hit all the, the boxes that I really wanted sonically. So for people who aren't familiar, let's dig into that a little bit. So talk for a little bit about just the capabilities for people who don't know what an events page is, how is that different from just a snapshot or, you know, something that they might be familiar with, with another sort of form factor? I call events super macros um, is kind of the best way that I've found to describe it. Um, It's, it's a trigger that can be, it's an event that can be triggered by anything and do anything on the console. Um, And so like, for example, I have it where when I solo a vocal, 
it sends a MIDI command to a computer and the waves rack pulls it up on the computer. So there's, there's less breaching and clicking going on. Um, I have this whole system of, and I talk about it on here a lot, my lead vocal group and my background vocal group and routing all 10 of my vocals differently. Um, so I have triggered latching events that move a vocal between the two groups, which then in turn moves all of the effects sends and processing. And it kind of sets me up to be able to manage 10 vocalists like I have one lead singer. Um, so that change is based on who's leading which song. So if if yeah. you have John Cell leading one song, then his event triggers effects, him coming out of the background vocal group into the lead vocal group, and then everybody else in the background vocal group. Then the next song, yeah. let's say, you know, Chris is leading. So you hit the next event and it moves John Cell back to the background vocal group, Chris into the lead vocal group, and all the effect sends and all that stuff follow. So it's that's a very powerful tool. Yeah, and we build that into our our scenes on the desk, but they also go off the rails, and so I need to be able to do all that quickly, um, and that's kind of the way we do it. Um, and all credit goes to Webster on this. He's got it where when we fire scenes in the console in Pro Tools, it mark, adds a marker with a name, and then we're able to flip it, vice versa. Um, so when I virtual sound check and I move to a new song in my scene list, it recalls it on Pro Tools and I've got play, stop, record. Um, and we're using, I don't know the name of it, but it's the integrated networking MIDI. Fernando, you might, mm, I think it's... MIDI, MIDI IP? Uh, yeah, so it's MIDI IP to the Pro Tools computer. So we're we're using a lot of those features. Um, my events page is incredibly long and our scenes do lots of things. and. Um, it just makes it makes the mixing process for me. I'm able to just focus on the 12 VCAs in the center of the desk, um, and everything around me just kind of happens as it should. That's very cool. Yeah, I remember when you describe uh, this process. The the last time we met in Dallas, uh, you described me the process that when the events are triggering all these changes in the in the in the groups, and it was amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah, it's a, you know, when I mix artists that where there's just one vocalist, you know, it was nice and easy. The vocal went to all of my effects and did all of that stuff. But when I have 10 people who are all lead vocalists at some point throughout our show, I needed a way to manage that. And this has like given me even more flexibility to do, um, to manage that even better because you know, an event can be triggered by something and multiple things can happen. And those multiple things literally can, I haven't found something I can't do with an event on the console, which has been a huge, a huge lifesaver for us. That's awesome. Well, Corey, you mentioned a minute ago about harmonics and saturation. So I want to shift the conversation a little bit to the outboard gear because I got my hands on Bus Plus and Fusion for the first time last week. Got to play some tracks through it and got to do some videos for MXU uh, on those products. And I'm actually taking one of each of them with me on this upcoming Tomlin run. And so, I, you know, we haven't talked about this since I've messed with it, but 
you talk about some impressive gear. I mean, it's it's pretty stunning. So the Fusion has six sort of characteristics, colors that you can engage or disengage um, throughout the signal path. And so um, everything from uh, saturation, harmonic distortion, sort of drive, a new EQ, the first EQ that SSL has developed in 25 years called Violet EQ. Yeah, ultraviolet. And then a high-frequency compressor and a special sort of transformer that's unique to this processor, as well as stereo width and you know all kinds of things. But for me, the especially the saturation and the drive, it's like, man, if you just dig into that a little bit, there's this thickness and this just density that comes to the mix that is pretty compelling and it's it's better than just your average sort of saturation plug-in that you might find somewhere else um so i'm excited to use it what's been your what's been your impression with it so far because you did a whole tour with it so how were you using it and what do you what do you find is the sort of the secret sauce well i'm a i'm a saturation junkie and you guys have not given me any shortage of places to saturate <laughs> on this <laughs> console. <laughs> so the desk, the compressor on each channel has a tube button and it introduces harmonic distortion. It's just an on and off button. And it, I call it the awesome button. Um, <laughs> a lot of the, the, the compressor that to me looks like and feels like an 1176 has a drive and transient uh, adjustment in there. Um, which I use that compressor all over the place. So having that right, right at my fingertips is amazing. And then um, I've been using the fusion on my master bus and the drive section in that is kind of my secret weapon. Yep. And between the density and the amount, you can really like, I use it a lot to, sh to like craft the way that the mix is coming out to the PA. Um, Cause it, what it does to the mid range and the low mids, which might be some of what you're hearing, Jeff. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm not going to say I can't, I shouldn't mix without it. <laughs> it's a, when it's not in line, it, it, I have to do some, some things on my side, but, um, and then I've been using the bus plus actually on my parallel drum bus. Um, and I recently discovered the variable THD, like the harmonic section, and that was really exciting to to really dial in. The the parallel drum bus is a huge part of my drum sound. Yep. And so being able to really get specific on how all of that compression is saturating that bus was a huge. I, I mean, it just it took it to the next level because I've always used SSL bus compressors on both my drum buses. So this was like the next step from that. Yeah, um, that's very cool. Which I know, I know, was intentional in the design of that that unit. A bit of history on the bus compressors. Of course, the first bus compressor to ever appear on a console was um, forty five years ago, close closer even to fifty, if you can believe it, on the original uh, B series uh, console, and then an E series. So we put bus compressors into thousands of consoles, and and the one U channel strip. The, excuse me, the 1U bus compressor has been a staple in studios and in live sound for very many years. And we're very pleased to see how many have been used on tours. And we're really also very pleased when we see so many fusions out there and, and on tour. And 
you know, when the, in the height of touring season, you get orders for six at a time. So it's very exciting. But the new Bus Plus is is really an, a massive extension of the very famous bus compressor. It has all of the greatness and glue of the original bus compressor, and I call it super glue because mm-hmm. the difference in the features having dual mono, stereo, 4K mode, and even the ability to back off that squashing effect of the 4K bus compressor. And then the new low THD mode, which I didn't even know till we came out with this device, that the bus compressor had introduced low-frequency distortion. And now you have the ability to reduce that. So the fact you're using it, uh, Corey, is great. And notice the difference is great. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Jeff, the fact that, you know, first of all, it's a... Um, the every parameter there's no audio going through the front panel so every parameter can be re- recalled with precision yep manually of course but the ability to reset um, makes it really master and grade and the ability to put uh, dynamic eq in the side chain of the compressor is is uh, you know new um, we we probably put 2 years into the design of it and had it voiced by the you know, people have been with the company for a very long time, and the response has been pretty strong. Um, some major touring artists have, you know, front of house engineers have commented that it's really pulls the mix together in a very noticeable way. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think, you know, a couple of features that are unique. Well, first of all, for people who um, are just learning about compression or don't understand the different kinds of compressors, the SSL bus compressor is a VCA style compressor. So it's different than Opto or other kind of styles of compressor that you may have heard of. And that circuitry just operates in a very unique and distinctive way. But um, to me, like the 4K mode is, is really dramatic. And what that's doing is it's basically taking the signal from balanced to unbalanced. So can you talk for a minute about just effect of that and why that adds that level of sort of grit and thickness or however you describe it to to the signal glue glue there you go (laughs) yeah it's it's really impressive and then obviously the plus part is the fact that they've added this dynamic eq section and so you have it's a two band dynamic eq but those bands aren't fixed they are uh they're variable and you can control the range and the frequency at which those um those bands engage and so it's it's a really impressive unit i can't wait to dig into it more and hear how it sounds on a band on sale this month by the way (laughs) i might have to buy a second one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like your idea Corey, of using it on the parallel drum bus i was i was basically just experimenting the other day with running running my two mix into it and then out of it into the fusion and then out of the fusion into the PA. So using basically using that compression stage of the bus plus as a front end to get to the fusion to get to the PA. But you know, again, the bus plus is so flexible to be able to use it in other other parts of the you know workflow is a great idea too. Yeah, and it one thing I'm going to experiment with in this month with it is it's got a mix knob, um, which which I'm I've always been really keen to see what happens when you just go down to one drum bus and you can mix this compression in um, with it. I've also, you know, I've put it on my mix bus and I've used the consoles, SSL compressors, the bus compressor 
to do all the same things. And it's, you know, we're all, you know, we're talking finite percentages here of differences, but I've landed with it on the drum bus. Cause I, I just felt like it was, it, it felt different to me than a digital compressor did. And I really liked the way that it was interacting with everything. Well, the other thing about the bus plus is they've added uh, some negative ratios to the options. Mm. And so you can actually turn the ratio, you know, so that it's just completely squashing everything like you would maybe a really squashed drum room mic or something like that. So if you're just using the parallel compression of the drums as an effect that you would ride underneath the main drums to have that level of compression, you know, ratios that are kind of off the charts and just make your drums sound destroyed in a way, but in a good way. Um, and then bring that in underneath the main bus is, is pretty cool. So I want to experiment with that kind of thing too. But, but I will warn everyone listening to this on, on for, it is a complex device. Unlike the much simpler, uh, one you buzz compressor that we don't make anymore other than we make it in a 500 module. This has so much in it that, um, and I should point out, it is a analog device, digitally controlled analog device. Uh, it is a case where you do need to read the manual to try to understand all the flexibility that's in there. And I didn't understand it at first until I read the quick start guide or whatever the short form was and got a massive understanding of all that it's capable of. Yeah, and if you do get one, honestly, SSL's website has some great video tutorials and i you know mxu will have some tutorials as well but my presentation is not nearly as good because my accent isn't as good you know just hearing from someone with a british accent from ssl describing Hmm. this in in detail is is a pretty compelling uh way to spend a couple hours so cheers to you guys for providing a really good resource in that regard let me point you to two or three areas there's um a great interview with andy uh, who who uh, was the principal lead uh, product manager on the product. Uh, it's like a 20-minute interview online. And uh, then there uh, is a Meet the Maker interview with him on Sweetwater's side, I think. Um, I want to point out that the L series, which is the 100, 200, 350, 450, 550, 650, that, there's an app, a uh, live app that Fernando could tell you about is really a go-to guide for everything on the live console. The, the, uh, that's the SSL Live Help. So if you guys go and check at your app store for uh, Android and iOS, uh, you will find uh, this application. This is a, a free download and basically does the, the user manual. So if you're getting the, the live application in your phone and then you're going to the a website and you're downloading the offline software, which is exactly the same as we are carrying on the console behind of me, now uh, getting that software in your computer and the user manual in your phone is a really powerful tool to learn uh, about this console. And also, if you are looking to get uh, trained, um, we're getting some training uh, in MixU headquarters very soon. And also there's an online uh, training program that we're uh, driving. So you can go to the website and there's an RSVP uh, uh, link that you can file. And that's going to get to my email. And uh, I'm going to uh, send information about online training. Yeah. And for the, live, for the live workshop at MXU, the date for that is March 23rd. And you can go to getmxu.com and sign up for the workshop there. Uh, we're really excited to be hosting that 
at our headquarters and can't wait just to meet people and to have the ability to network and answer questions and get certified. You'll walk away at the end of the day with um, having met Fernando in person, which is always a great experience. And uh, you'll get to learn from the best of the best. So I encourage anybody who's interested in SSL. And even if you're just interested in learning more about the desk, if you're not uh, a user of the console, but want to learn more, please sign up and come because we would love to introduce you to the platform and just let you hear how great it sounds. So we're excited. Jeff, question for you. What are your plans next year for the live events uh, that you did? Are you changing up a little bit? Anything you want to talk about now? Because I sure was impressed with the ones you did this year. So this year we are, um, we're, we're finalizing dates and location now, but we're basically going to bring it all into one event, but it'll be a multi-day event. You know, we, we started our MXU live events as the audio non-conference. In other words, we don't want to have the typical sort of Christian conference set up in terms of main sessions and breakouts and all that. So our breakouts will be where each discipline, audio, video, lighting, leadership, or worship, the plenary sessions for them are really where they're doing the bulk of the work in their disciplines. And then we'll come together for a bigger keynote session where we kind of put it all together, but similar to what we did at the, at the event you saw last year. So it, some of that planning is still in, um, you know, in the whiteboard stage, but yeah, it'll be in the fall in Atlanta. Um, dates well, will be announced if, shortly. If I could do just a, a little shout out for MXU, I'm really impressed with the level of professionalism that you apply to the training uh, endeavor uh, the Dallas event that I went to, I didn't know what to expect, and I could not have been more impressed. And at you know, the amount of years I've been uh, working in professional audio, something I've, I've rarely, I've rarely seen, if ever, uh, as much production value go into a training event. That I mean, it was just like a proper touring situation. You had everything there, and then Corey with the band, and even the attendees for the real reasonable amount of money that they were paying and getting a hat. Uh, <laughs> to be able to experience that level of professionalism was amazing. And then to uh, the amount of engagement. And I was like, these are audio engineers that are coming to learn about technology. Everyone's hands were in the air. It was just a really incredible moment for me to experience that level of engagement. Oh, well, thank you. That's, that means a lot. It was great to have you guys there. And I can't wait to do it again. We're, we're going to try to keep making it better and better as we can. And you know, surrounding ourselves with such a great team is a huge part of that. So part of it was the band and guys like Corey and Daniel and Rusty who led the lighting and video stuff. It's just, I mean, we're, we're grateful to have such great partners. So before we sign off, is there anything else? Did we miss anything? Do we need to touch on any other topics? How are you guys feeling? Well, I'll, I'll just add one more thing. Um, I think, you know, people say, well, why SSL? Don't they all digital consoles sound good? They do. They all sound pretty good. Um, what we hear more regularly than not is you put up the faders and it's the closest that you can get to analog. And then you, if you're playing tracks back, virtual sound check, whatever, and it sounds like it's supposed to hmm. out of the gate. And you alluded that to that a little earlier, Corey, with less that you have to do to get the sound that you want. And when you hear professionals who have done this for a short or long period of time, get that impression right away. 
it allows you to focus on the more creative aspects, fine-tuning aspects, as, as opposed to trying to get that sound. So we're real f- happy that we can provide that for people who work with our equipment and uh, that that experience sort of transcends whatever music or genre, you know, uh, application, and that everyone walks away with that same feeling. We've got great products, great sound, great tools on board, uh, you know, the onboard effects, and, and you can get to the finer craft of mixing as opposed to how do I get that guitar to sound good. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can talk a little bit about that just from my experience and sometimes to a fault. Uh, I had like a way that I like to see EQs as like my starting point. I had a way I like to see compressors as a starting point that I'm just used to seeing. Um, and when I moved over, I had to like clear my head of that because I would it just <laughs> did not. It just wasn't the same in a in a good way. Um, and like you said, you turn up a fader and it sounds good. I always find myself turning that up and being like, I guess I have nothing to do to this input. <laughs> and, and it's like, is that correct? Am I fine to do that? And, um, you know, on the, on that MXE live tour, I had the console and then I had a waves rig sitting next to me that had two racks in it. Um, but just, you know, being able to mix on a console feels really good for me as an engineer. Um, and to just really go back like, to take, take away all the distractions and just know, okay, I can turn these faders up and what comes out of the speakers is awesome. And then, you know, I'm, I no longer am fixing things or trying to like get things to fit. It just, it just felt like every time I turned a new fader up, I was like, okay, great. That works. Um, and you get, you get more focused on the creative side, like you said, of what you're doing and less on the, I need to like make these things work together or or get, you know, really manufacture that. So that's been a really fun, and it's been a big learning process for me, honestly. And I am grateful that I've had the chance to even get better myself um, because I have nothing to hide behind (laughs) (laughs) Um, well the the scary thing is there's hundreds of guys listening right now who are thinking gosh if i didn't have to twiddle knobs all day long to get the sound i want what am i going to do how am i going to mix it's like it's an exercise in restraint to go okay i actually have to listen and make sure that i'm needing to do something to manipulate the sound because this actually sounds pretty darn good yeah 100 percent. that's good Well, guys, thank you so much for your time today. I know that this has been super informative and really helpful for a lot of people. So once again, if you're interested, yeah, if you're interested in the certification, March 23rd at MXU HQ. So go to getmxu.com and you can sign up there. Um, For those of you who are subscribers to our platform, we're going to have some SSL specific videos on the platform as well later this year. So those are going to be recorded soon, and we can't wait to get that content in your hands as well. Corey is going to give us the deep dive into all things SSL. So that'll be coming. Uh, But meanwhile, be safe out there on the road, Corey and Fernando, you as well. Phil, thanks as always for your time. We're just so grateful for your partnership. And we're just, um, yeah, we're thrilled to, to be a part of what each other is doing. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you guys.